Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Real Talk. I'm your host, Hillary Ramo. Today, we are going to be talking about some very important things, internet censorship, power of platforms, media, and all kinds of stuff. In the United States, censorship can be seen through the warrantless monitoring of emails. In nations like Saudi Arabia, the monitoring is much more visible. Internet users in public are videotaped there and their names are given to authorities. In nations like Ethiopia, it's even worse. In China, more than one in four websites that are normally accessible through Google or other search engines, they're blocked through a four-level filtering process. The number of media websites that are blocked by the Chinese government, 923. And 1.72 billion people, that's the number of people that are affected by internet censorship on any given day globally. We are looking at something that we need to take a closer look at. And today my guest, Joe Martino, is going to do that. He is the founder of CE News. We're going to be talking about his network. Um, I also want to throw an interesting statistic out there to people, and I wonder how many people could answer this question and say yes or no. Did you know Google searches only access approximately 4% of total information? That's right, 4%. The rest is stored in what's called the deep web, which is accessible by special server only. Now, I first found that out in 2015, and I became increasingly more and more interested and curious about this deep web. Now, you know, you you normally hear that it's for criminals, it's where black markets take place, you can buy drugs and people and all kinds of bad stuff. All the baddies live in the deep web. <laughs> well, that's actually not true. They are there. But what lies beneath that is kind of like an iceberg, and we go down into large, vast data storage banks, uh, most of which are owned and run by the government, educational systems, and so on and so forth. So if you have a business out there and you're online, which I'm sure most people are, have you ever noticed that sometimes your traffic seems to just take a nosedive? Nobody seems to notice any of your content that you're posting. Well, you're not alone, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. So Collective, uh, Collective Evolution, CE News, is a conscious media and education company dedicated to helping humanity address the real challenges we face and bring solutions to the forefront. They do that through news media, reporting on world events through a truly neutral lens, something that's very hard to find these days, and exploring the role that these events play in the evolution of human consciousness. Through personal transformation, by providing viewers with the solutions and tools necessary to build self-awareness, step out of old paradigms, connect with self, and be an integral part of changing the world. Imagine that. So I'd like to welcome Joe Martino. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Well, you're doing a great thing in the world, and it caught my attention, so I couldn't wait to get you on here to, to have this conversation. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got into running CE News and, and all that good stuff? For sure. I mean, you know, I always tell people I, I was never 
uh, I guess you could say passionate, nor did I ever see that my future was going to be uh, in utilizing media as a tool to sort of, you know, spread a message. I, journalism and all that sort of stuff was was never on my mind growing up. It was entirely, uh, you could say, an accident that, you know, I ended up uh, in journalism like this. But ultimately, uh, I was, you know, young and in, in high school and, and coming into college and feeling uh, very sort of down and out about what the future looked like if, uh, in terms of just being someone that hops into university or college, uh, you know, gets a degree, goes on and, and lives their life um, and has a family. And, you know, you just kind of the rest is history, right? That's kind of the the story that humans have to some extent been playing out for quite a while. And, you know, th that once I got into university and college and, I, and that reality started to get stronger and stronger and I was doing stuff that I really didn't like and nor did I enjoy doing. But further to that, I was also feeling, you know, pretty well my whole life that there was just something more to what was going on in the world. And and there was a lot of things that you saw happening that didn't quite make sense. And um, I decided, well, why not look into this stuff a lot more? And the more I did that, uh, the more I started to realize that a lot of my inklings about the world were, in fact, true in, in that there were a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we weren't really told about. And so uh, that journey of searching a lot of that stuff, coupled with having to address the very thing in front of me, which was that I was not happy doing what I was doing in college or university, led to uh, a point where I started to dive into personal transformation a lot more. So what how were my beliefs formed? How did my ideas of the world even come to be to begin with? You know, who really am I? All these different things that, um, you know, really are questions that sometimes are not really all that addressed in uh, the regular education system. So as I started to do that, I started to realize, hey, there's a real appetite. There's a real uh, calling for um, content that is not only going to look at the world from the standpoint of here's what's going on behind the scenes that the mainstream media might not talk about, but further to that, there's perhaps a better way of looking at it than just either through a political lens, the left or the right, or even through this sort of judgmental lens of like, hey, you know, this is horrible and we need to fight these people and this. What happens if we looked at it in a different way and sort of even asked, why do the things that happen in our world really come about? How does that happen? So through that whole journey of that exploration, I mean, year after year since founding Collective Evolution in 2009, it has further expanded from, you know, just being sort of like a blog at the very, very beginning to eventually covering news and then eventually, uh, you know, creating podcasts, documentaries, uh, regular videos to now having a full-blown on-demand streaming service uh, that we call CETV that um, explores a lot of news and media content as well as personal transformation and so forth, uh, all you know, geared towards helping to wake humanity up to what we're truly capable of and, and the changes that we need to make here on the planet. I bet a lot of people can relate to what you just said because the minute you get involved in anything, you get emotionally attached and suddenly you want to do something about it and it's not so easy. You wanna go talk to people about it. Sometimes you get stuck in conversations where opinions differ, you're on the left or the right. But you know, you you mentioned something that's pretty interesting, this, this self-awareness, this awakening process where your purpose comes in and lands in your lap and suddenly you have this aha moment and you realize what you're meant to do, which clearly was to become a content producer. Now, not many people go to high school and college and say, well, I'm going to become a content producer someday. <laughs> but mm. it's, it's a very needed role because, and once you do step into that role, 
Um, I believe that it then puts you into a certain category where suddenly you experience a lot more of this stuff that we're talking about today than you would if you were just the average person going through reading content as a reader or a watcher of content. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what these content producers have to go through to get their stuff done. And then what they have to face as far as challenges with their content. Um, I started creating content in 2005. A lot of my stuff is offline now because it was just taken down in 2011 by YouTube. A lot of it's just not there anymore. But what I've what I've watched since is a systematic takedown of content using people as examples. You know, they find the one one thing that they don't like and they want to use it as an example to take down their entire platform. I've talked a lot about this uh, last year when I was promoting my last book when Alex Jones was on the air at the height of his career in 2010 or so, he had millions and millions of listeners. He's, he was on tons and tons of different channels. And he was talking about a lot of really important things, even though his delivery is questionable, people don't like his personality, but they still, the numbers don't lie, right? You know, we have to look at the numbers. And he mm -hmm. had very high numbers. But then when they took him down this past year because of a Sandy Hook hook, Okay. They took down his platform on Twitter. They took down his platform on YouTube. They put him on national news saying they were taking him down. So I, I, I see what's going on and it's, it's a very um, precarious thing. And we have to really have a good handle on what's going on because otherwise people just watch the content come down and go, well, good. He was a hate speaker. Right. And they don't really know what his content was, perhaps, or, or maybe they just heard one show and they didn't like it. That's a slippery slope because that means then we start getting into free speech and we get into all of these things that people experience uh, when they get online and they, they have something to say. The Internet is a place for something to say, right, or to put up a piece of work or a body of work or like yourself, move into different uh, evolutionary stages of your business. What has been the most difficult challenge in being a content producer that you would say is important for people to know? Um, I'd say first and foremost, it's it's like sort of anything else, right? Like you, we live in a world right now where you have a financial system and that financial system is, is not all that, um, I guess you could say, abundant uh, in terms of providing a lot of resources very easily to people who are trying to do something against the grain. And so essentially, you know, to produce the content at the scale to which we're producing it, which is, you know, articles every day, videos, you know, multiple videos every single week um, at, you know, having to do the research, having to do the investigations, really just kind of dive deep on all of it. You know, an organization like ourselves should be operating off of a yearly budget, you know, into the several millions, right? I mean, you could argue how high it really needs to go, but um, we really only got to spend one or two years um, with a budget that large because of demonetization efforts that essentially stripped out, you know, the 10 years of work that we had put into building up an audience that we were able to speak to, uh, building up our revenue streams that we were, you know, doing nothing wrong, you know, like there was nothing that we were doing that was hateful, that was uh, providing in incorrect facts to people. Um, we weren't providing stories that were highly questionable in terms of like, oh, well, you know, there's no proof behind this. Or, you know, every time we were talking about something that was, you know, an opinion um, that was clearly labeled, everybody knew what was going on. Uh, we never had anything that was radical. We never had anything that was super out there. So to go through the experience of, you know, building up a business 
business for so many years and then all of a sudden um, 80% of your revenue is systematically just removed at the snap of a fingers. It's almost like, you know, one thing people don't get is that that is essentially like putting a complete stop to the business. And, and um, it's not like we're, you know, going and we have average jobs that, that we're working and then we come home and in the evenings we produce what we produce at Collective Evolution. It's, it's about 12 hours, 10 to 12 hours a day of working as hard as you possibly can to produce the stuff that you need to produce. And if you don't have enough money within all that to pay your bills, then guess what? It stops. And the, the systems that are looking to stop alternative and independent media know that monetization is the most important thing, right? I, I can be removed from Twitter, for example, and it's not really going to affect me all that much. Um, I could be removed from uh, even, say, YouTube, and it's not going to affect me all that much unless I have a lot of my revenue that's coming from YouTube through the way it's it's monetized. Like for us, back in December of 2018, it was December 26th, uh, we got a message from YouTube stating that your channel, so not you know a couple of videos here and there, your entire channel is no longer eligible for monetization. So we have zero copyright strikes. We have zero community standard strikes. We've never done anything wrong. If you go to the back end of our YouTube, it states that we're in perfect standing. And usually this is because all of our content is original. We shoot it all in our own studios. We use all licensed material. Like nothing we're doing is... Is, do, is, is anything that would go against anything that YouTube sets out. We don't attack people. We have very calm, peaceful uh, uh, approach to what we're doing. And yet our entire channel ha was just demonetized. And further to that, if you actually look at what ha happened in January of, of 2019, so this is only like maybe seven to 10 days after we were demonetized, you can see the uh, roller coaster drop um, that happened between or with how many views we were getting every single month on our YouTube uh, videos. So it's literally like there, everything's going up, it's rising, it's rising, and then there's a cliff that drops about 80 to 90% of our views were just snap of a finger systematically taken away. And they've hovered at where they've hovered for, for quite some time. So here you've built up uh, we have about 90,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel and our videos, you know, struggle to surpass a thousand views no matter what we do to try and get them out there. So it's 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 very odd that, um, you, you know, you're able to their YouTube, I guess you could say, is able to basically just knock out what your sustenance is, right? And Facebook has done the same thing to us. We're not eligible for any form of video monetization on Facebook. Further to that, they've they've gone and, and removed so much of our organic reach beyond what they've done to everybody else. Everyone has seen a decline in organic reach on Facebook. But when you look at the patterns, because you're on the inside and you're able to see the patterns every single day and how things work, you start to really see what content will produce uh, you know, say seven days of bad results because of the fact that you told you spoke about vaccines, for example. So it's it's really about stripping out the revenue. Reaching people is one thing. like you you can reach somebody, but if you can't monetize, you can't run a business. It's that simple. And when you can't run a business, you can no longer do the depth and the quality of work needed to produce this stuff. So 
you know, establishment media is able to do what it does because it's able to make establishment money. And further to that, they have gigantic corporations backing establishment media, whereby even if it's not profitable, if it pushes an agenda that, that is required, then they're just going to keep funding it. Whereas independent media doesn't necessarily push an agenda that's favorable for anybody. So unless the people are supporting all of these demonetized independent media companies, you're going to get stuck with one mainstream narrative. And, and so demonetization is 100% the thing that people don't often see when they're on the outside. What it, it really does work. I mean, they hit you in the pockets and they take out your ability to be able to function as a business. So you just has to be a hobby then if you're going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. It's so important to have these independent voices. I had one person come up to me recently and they go, well, what is alternative media? How would you describe what alternative media is? It's a great question because, you know, we take for granted sometimes being here at CE as to what that term actually means. And, and I think that there's multiple ways to look at it, but I'll try and keep it very simple. You know, oftentimes mainstream media is is something that you might see when you turn on your television set and you see the news channels that are there, the CNNs, the CBSs, you know, the CNBCs, all that sort of stuff. It's It's a format that has a political side, so either they're coming from the left or the right, they're usually corporate funded, right? So you know that they are, they're running all the commercials, they're on the big networks, all that sort of stuff. And they're usually pushing what is often a incredibly safe, very sort of just everyday perspective on what's going on in the world. And they're never going to cover things that are all that controversial in asking bigger questions about what's going on. So, you know, you'll never see the mainstream media, for example, truly do a proper investigation into vaccines or 9-11 because that's not really, it would threaten the mainstream conjecture, right? Mainstream conjecture is usually created by what presidents are saying, what, you know, world leaders are saying, or by what mainstream media is saying. Alternative media is usually, you know, something you have to go see off the TV, maybe even off radio sometimes. It depends on, you know, whether it's a network like this that is open to discussing different things. But off the very big establishment radio stations, um, you, you, you may have to go to YouTube, you may have to go to websites online that are very clearly not establishment backed. Um, you know, like Alex Jones, for example, is alternative media. It's a it's a different perspective on things that um, is going to provide something that you're really just not going to hear in mainstream conjecture. Alternative media also sometimes means it's independent. So it, it oftentimes means there is no big you know, billionaire or a billionaire company that's behind it, that's very sort of establishment oriented, that's funding uh, the the efforts of what's going on. So for example, you have, you know, Net RT, which is a network that you could say is alternative media, but it's certainly not independent, meaning it is Russia state sponsored. So you have to take and keep in mind that there is gonna be that narrative, right? But it's alternative in that they're gonna talk about events in a way that's completely different from the mainstream conjecture. So it, that's kind of the sort of the best definition that I can simply give on what alternative media is versus mainstream media. But I, I just wanna reiterate that the, the independent side of media is becoming increasingly more important because that's where you're able to oftentimes empower people to who really have no 
loyalty to anything but, you know, the truth or anything but really looking at what is going on out there. Because a lot of alternative media can often be very politically oriented as well. And so it's important to kind of when looking at either the mainstream or the alternative to really ask the question, what political motivations are behind the people that are creating uh, the content here? Well, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes and people might not realize it or not, but most of the, the establishment media comes with some kind of political lean one way or the other. And I think that that's, we're just getting worse and worse and worse with that. It's very hard to find content that's not, politically biased anymore, I think, you know, as I get on here and I look and look and look and I'm just saying, my gosh, does anybody have a middle stance? Mm -hmm. You know, in our spiritual worlds, we're told to take the middle path. You know, you don't want to go too far one way or too far the other way. You want to be able to stay balanced and in the middle. And uh, critical thinking and rational thought processes are pretty important in that. But when you get online, like social media, you know, they talk all this talk about swaying elections and stuff. I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And I'm curious on your opinion for social media swaying, because uh, I've been watching social media since it was born. It, you know, Facebook came on around 2008 and it's a relatively new platform, but it's gained so much power in such a short period of time. I think it was only inevitable before people really learned how to use it to market their business or to network. I mean, they had really great reaches. You could really do a lot of good on there. And then suddenly it just stopped. And I think the 2016 election helped to bring that about. Now, whether that was an intentional agenda or not, that could be questioned. But alternative media isn't just about fringe topics. It's not just about conspiracy theories. You have very important content on your site. As I was looking through it, Collective Evolution, uh, I was looking through it, preparing for this show. And I said, you know, it's so refreshing to see headlines that aren't necessarily trying to make you believe something just in the headline even because on social media that happens a lot we see a lot of clickbait type stories go up through your newsfeed and people will just react to the headlines they don't even bother to read the article to see what date it came out it could be four years old but if it says something that triggers all of their stuff you know they share it and move it on it's kind of like a, a viral disease in a sense a disease of consciousness what do you think about this whole use of social media to sway opinions and sway things this way or that. Yeah, I mean, 100%. There's, you know, like you said, there's, um, you know, Facebook was, uh, you could say, a, a tool for providing, connecting with an audience and providing whatever it is you wanted to provide. So whether it's you want to, you know, connect with your friends and family, great. Whether you want to, uh, say, hey, here's a message I have to share. I want to, you know, generate a following and, and reach them. Great. You know, ultimately what Facebook did just from the, the sort of basic perspective is they utilized content creators to create a platform that was highly attractive, that kept users on the platform. And they let them build up and build up. And they they promised everybody, hey, build an audience here, build an audience here, build a, spend money to build an audience here. Like do whatever you can to build an audience here. And a lot of content creators, including us, did that, right? And then what happened was they just kind of pulled the old bait and switch in 2016 and said, you know what? Thanks for building this audience. Thanks for making us the richest company, one of the richest companies in the world. Thanks for, you know, bringing these, you know, billions of people here and, and all their data here. Um, screw you. And they just pulled the rug out. 
And all of and a sudden, they sold, and they sold it. They sold it to the the data companies that they were mining right. the data from. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so, so now all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I just spent the last seven years doing what you told me to do, which was to build an audience here. And I was reaching that audience, and then you just you turned around, and instead of saying, hey, thank you for building this for us, um, you said, thank you for building it for us. Now we're rich, and you're gonna go over here. So, it. You know, when it comes to swaying public opinions in relation to that whole story, I mean, what started to happen was not only was there a highly sort of profitable uh, opportunity there for, you know, Facebook and the owners of Facebook and so forth, but there was also a lot of political pressure that you could say, you know, maybe some of the insiders at Facebook are pushing for this too. Maybe it's voices uh, within, you know, some sort of power elite and so forth that are instructing Facebook to do this. But either way you look at it, you have to, to, to be able to see that once that 2016 election was gaining a lot of steam and once it sort of, you know, went uh, the Trump direction, you could say, um, the, the Hillary camp and the world at that point started to look at this whole fake news thing as that was the reason why the election didn't go as it was. And realistically, you know, people still hold the perspective that, you know, he stole the election and that it was all a, a manipulation and this, that, whatever, and all this stuff, which really there's there's no evidence for. And whether you're for or Trump, it doesn't really matter. The point is, is that the social media discussion has become this idea that, um, it it got out of hand and and there was so much fake news and, and and false stories that were going around that it somehow shaped people's public opinion in this really negative manner. And it's interesting because if you really look at it, you could say that some stuff that happens on social media shapes people's public opinion. But the mainstream media is on social media as much as everyone else is. It's just they were worse at playing the game, meaning they didn't know how to actually get into people's interests and, and make something viral. And so alternative media had the ability to do that. And, and it got so strong that people were not necessarily being swayed. They were seeing a different perspective. And because the truth of the situation is that mainstream media was always able to sway public opinion to exactly what they wanted. And now all of a sudden, there was this you know, new game in town, if you will, that was saying, hey, that's one way of looking at it. Here's another way to look at it, and you tell me what you think. And as people started to do that, they started to go, wait a minute, uh, mainstream media may not be giving me the full picture, and there might be a completely, you know, even maybe multiple other ways of looking at this, not just one other way, but maybe four, five, six, seven other ways to look at this. So all of a sudden now mainstream media had a lot less power. And when that happens and you start understanding the relationship between mainstream media and intelligence agencies, thus mainstream media and uh, powerful elite, powerful elite figures who've always been able to sort of control, whether it be presidencies, whether, whether it be uh, public conjecture and, and on all that, you start to realize that the most powerful people in the world no longer had a propaganda tool that they fully could utilize to create a public conjecture around something. And so now what happened was, well, social media is acting as this connector that is giving people access to information they didn't necessarily have access to in the past. And so social media now had to sort of, they had to reel in 
the reach that people had on social media so that they could go back to swaying public opinion very easily. So the the couple of different, um, I would say probably the smoking gun to me really is looking at the vaccine conversation. Now, it doesn't matter whether or not people are pro or against vaccinations. That's, that's irrelevant when looking at the mechanisms of what's going on here. The mechanisms are you're not allowed to have an opinion. There is only one answer, and that one answer is that vaccines are completely safe. And the moment you get to that sort of rigidity, you know that something is being hidden. Whether that thing being hidden is, you know, the most crazy story in the entire world or whether it's something that, you know, they just don't want people to know, it doesn't matter. What matters is that there's something going on here where they're trying not to let the public know very easily what's going on in a number of different discussions. And and social media has certainly become now a, a way to control what people think on particular issues. Google's doing it. YouTube, who is also owned by Google, um, is doing it. Facebook's doing it. Twitter's doing it. And um, you know, you could pretty much just say the the sort of the, the front page of the internet, which is Google in a lot of ways, has become something that basically says, uh, you know, this is what we want you to think. Hmm. Well, if anybody listening out there has any second thoughts, you need to listen to this show again <laughs> and and again and again until you, you sing in because what you just said, you just hit it on the head. You know, it's the same thing I've observed and, and other people have expressed it as well. And unless you, you really know what's going, you know, unless you know the industry or you have some kind of, you know, way of working within it, you really don't know what's going on. So I think, I think this is so important to talk about because otherwise people end up getting lost and very divided and, and it's very intentional, but you hit it on the head with this, I think, and, and the content and the conversation when it comes down to not being able to express your opinion or what you think about something, or even question it, then we have a big problem. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we have a big problem. And I think that the narrative, you know, what they found in their quote swaying, it didn't go the way they wanted it or the way they expected to. And my own personal opinion is that alternative media was responsible for the supposed upturn about the election where suddenly Donald Trump's in charge because he went on Alex Jones's show and he had a full conversation to his audience and he spoke the talk about the New World Order and the Clinton and all this. He said all the right things. So he ignited a large audience and they thought maybe he was coming in to help change a lot of this stuff. And and when I, I can't even have that conversation with people anymore. I mm. was able to have it more around that time. I was hosting a political show, so it was it was kind of, a, I was allowed to talk about that and people were fine with the conversation. But you try to hold that same conversation now and it's immediate shutdown because it's, I hate Trump no matter what. And no matter what you say, I don't agree with because I hate Trump. And now you like Trump. You must like him because you don't hate him. Right. And so the conversation just gets shut down. So couldn't it be a formula then for pretty much anything? So you could replace Trump with vaccines. You could yep. replace Trump with anything. And the same formula will work for shutting down public opinion, all for control of the narrative so that you do exactly what your leadership wants you to do. How do you overcome that? 
Well, a lot of it is understanding the, the mechanism. I mean, I, I've spoken with a lot of people over the course of, of, of the last, you could say, two and a half years um, where, you know, they're always confused. Are you whose side are you on? Right. Which which, you know, from the beginning with collective evolution, I mean, we don't we don't choose sides. I, I don't care about the political spectrum. I don't care about who's, you know, supposedly uh, going to be the president or whatever it might be uh, of a particular country or whatever, you know, whatever's going on. My my thing is, is, is empowering humanity. And the the real obvious situation, which you've touched on, is that unlike something that has ever happened before, like ever, nothing even like Bush Jr. is the type of, of he was the type of president, you could say, in the U.S. where you could almost make a joke. And it, it did. It did happen to a, a pretty decent extent. But you could almost make a joke about every single speech, every single thing that that guy did. He was laughable beyond laughable just in terms of a character. He didn't do anything that was. Uh, all that bright or good for a lot of people, you could say. The the difference as to why there's outrage culture with Trump versus not uh, Bush Jr. back in the day is ultimately because of social engineering. It doesn't matter whether you like someone or not. It's how ungrounded has people's positions become? And if you look at the way, like you just said, people are with Trump, they're not even remotely grounded in understanding what's actually going on and what's being said. Everything reverts back to the classic terms that are used to make someone enter into outrage. So, you know, racism, uh, whether it's sexism, whether it's, you know, he's the most horrible person in the world because he's putting children in cages, whatever it might be, people aren't realizing that this sort of stuff is one either manufactured, very factually, you can look at this and you can see that a lot of the narratives are manufactured. They're not actually true. It's a lot of clips taken out of context and pieced together to create a story that didn't actually happen. Or they're not looking at the fact that the same things Trump is doing are the same things that the last, say, three or four presidents did. And there's really no difference between the two of them, or, or two, three, four of them, however you want to look at it. But why all of a sudden is there complete and utter outrage? And, and that's kind of the first layer of the conversation that I like to have with people and helping them on overcome this sort of idea that it's like you, you don't even know why you're mad. You're just mad. And the reason why you're mad is because you've been told by everybody that you're supposed to be mad. And that's it. It's really, there's nothing factually taking place that should create more outrage now than in the past. And that there is 200, 300, 400, 500 times more outrage now than there was in the past. People could more easily be outraged by Obama and his actions than they could by Trump. And it doesn't matter whether you support him or not. It's completely besides the point. It's, it's being able to take a step back and just look at the actions. The challenge is, is, is nobody's doing that because the culture is being engineered. And so when you start to see that and you take a step back and you see, and there's a very good film that does this, it's called Hoaxed. And uh, the, the distribution on it, unfortunately, hasn't been like, you know, super incredible. And so a lot of people don't know about it, but you can uh, just search on Google hoaxed movie. And it's essentially a movie that was made by a few people that 
uh, we're looking at exploring what happened to the media during the 2016 election, uh, pre and post, and exploring a lot of the claims that shaped public perception that came from mainstream media, and then determining were these claims, were these stories actually true? And then it looks at breaking down the evidence to see whether or not they're true. And, you know, not to give away the whole movie, but what they found was that so much of what has built what people think about Trump is the mainstream media creating narratives that aren't actually true and that aren't grounded in fact, but because they're presented in certain ways, it creates the outrage, right? And, and currently, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez is really good at doing this, creating outrage over stuff that she's, she's right partially about, but that she's missing a lot of key details about. And so, you know, part of, of what we do at Collective Evolution is helping people take a step back, get out of the political narratives, get out of who, which side you're on, and instead have a bird's eye view of what's actually taking place so that you can see the truth so you know how to move forward. Because whether you're the type of person that wants to partake in the system and vote or not, the more you know what is actually taking place versus what you're being manipulated to think is taking place, the, the, the more you're going to make an, an educated decision. And unfortunately, through a lot of alternative media and through a lot of establishment media, it's hard to get a clear indication of what's taking place because everybody is so politically charged. And and that's a huge issue. Even with, you know, some of the prominent, like, you know, Ladder with Crowder is a very prominent voice. He is uh, extremely biased towards the conservative side. Although he says some things that are very truthful, you're also going to get a whole bunch of sort of emotionally in, in charged and enraged stuff about the left. Thus, you're not really going to hear a balanced perspective, right? So this is an example of how alternative media can actually still misinform people because of the narrative. So the step is, is, is getting back, understanding the mechanisms of human condition that are taking place so that you can see what's actually going on. Well, I think, you know, the social engineering works because people are, are not really clear on their triggers. They're not really clear on their emotional triggers. They haven't done the healing work to get that out. People might get mad at me for saying that, but it's true. I bet if you look closer at what really triggers you with a lot of this, you, you would actually see some personal journey work there. Um, I'm going to change the direction just a little bit for the last part of the show here. I'm looking at your news page on collectiveevolution.com, and I like this headline, and I, I'd like you to talk about this a little bit, why I haven't paid much attention to QAnon. Mm -hmm. Now, for those that are listening, perhaps don't know what the Q phenomena is, could you just briefly give us a summary and then tell me your opinion on what you think is going on with this? For sure. So uh, in a very simplistic point of view, the story of Q or QAnon is that there's an alleged, whether you want to say single insider or multiple insiders, however you want to look at it, that is close to Trump, that is, you know, allegedly working with Trump, has been leaving uh, breadcrumbs or uh, pieces of information that are uh, information that often called intel drops or Q drops that provide people with tools to begin doing research to understand what's going on in the world, but also uh, to try and sometimes give some uh, proof to that 
based on what Trump is going to do next or what this quote unquote alliance is going to do next. Now, along with that narrative is this idea that they're working to take down uh, the deep state, which is a very interesting and I, you could say useful idea because it is important that a power elite that is currently doing a lot of this social engineering and so forth, it would be worthwhile for them to sort of be dethroned, not have as much power, not have the ability to manipulate the public so much such that the humanity can kind of get out of this stuck state that they're in and, and start exploring themselves a little bit further. So there could be value in doing that. So that's essentially what Q is. is it's a, it's, it's, I, the idea is it's an alleged insider close to Trump that is working to remove you know, the deep state or drain the swamp, however you want to look at it, i.e. to save America. The, the challenge with this is that they're still not necessarily, if you really take an unbiased perspective at this and you really look at it, there's not a ton of proof to suggest that this isn't just an overthrowing of one set of leaders to another set of leaders that may or may not necessarily have, you know, humanity's best interest at heart. So the way I've been sort of framing it for people um, is that, and I actually just recorded a podcast on this this morning, is that, you know, just because, so you have a deep state, right? And there's usually that's made up of a lot of different families. When you really look at it, you break down, you understand what's going on within the deep state, the power elite, the cabal. There's there's a number of families that have been long holding this power over uh, the global systems that exist today in our world. And it's been going on for, for a very, very, very long time. And what happens when you start to have divides within those families where some people are like, you know what, let's take things in a little bit of a different direction. Cause, cause all out power doesn't last forever in, in the human condition and the human journey, because people eventually want to go in different directions and not everybody's going to agree. And so what I'm seeing happen is that you're having the deep state fracture and divide and you have one set which you know you could kind of look at as you know the, the the Clinton sort of push the that where you get into all the child trafficking, all the sexual abuse, all the ritual abuse, the heavy satanic stuff, all that stuff that's been going on that there is just droves of evidence for. And I know it's hard for people to see that, but just think about Epstein. Alternative media has been talking about and exposing this guy for a very, very long time. Only now is the mainstream media finally catching up and saying, actually, you know what? They were right the whole time, right? <laughs> so, so the point is, is, it's like, listen to what alternative media has said and don't take these ideas as so far-fetched when every single year, more and more and more of them are turning out to be true. So you have this dystopian side to the deep state that is going in one direction. And then you have this other side that's fracturing off you might have some of the younger generations of these families who just don't agree with what's going on. You might have people who are having a bit of a change of heart and saying, hey, you know what, this heavily 1984 dystopian future for humanity, you know what, that's going to affect us too. And we don't want to go in that direction. So they're kind of going in a different route. And that's what I ultimately think Trump represents. And what when I say Trump, I don't mean he's the ringleader of all this. He's literally just a figurehead that is 
one of the people that's going to be sort of puppeteering some of this stuff that's going on. Like he's he's there, you know, kind of yeah, yeah I'm 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 acting as the face of of a bunch of these people that exist behind the scenes that are kind of pulling the strings and pushing different directions. And I think what's ultimately happening is you're having a battle or a war between two sides of the deep state. And Q is a a an intelligence uh, tool to keep everybody on the alliance side, if you will, which is the side that's trying to, you know, sort of overcome the dystopian side. It's an intelligence tool to help keep them all organized. And at the same time, it wakes people up to what's going on in our world. That's all great. The question that I have, because I don't, I'm not too concerned with, I don't think either way that you can prove that Q is either real or not real. I think there's still it's it's up in the air. You 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 can look at a number of different things that kind of suggest, hey, you know what, maybe there is some stuff that they're proving correct, or maybe there is some stuff that sort of links it to Trump. You know, there might be there might be something going on here. But there's no way of saying either way exactly what's going on. And so I veer away from trying to get too caught up in is this real or not real? And then instead I look at are the actions of this alleged alliance that is overthrowing this other side of the deep state, are they actually creating a world where all of humanity is empowered and can thrive and is really free? Or are they perhaps doing what we've seen in history many times, which is a, a coup, an overthrowing of one set of leaders to instill a new set of leaders? And perhaps those new set of leaders are going to be a little better for people in humanity overall than the old set of leaders. But is it really what we're capable of? And is it really where we want to go at the end of the day? And so the reason why we haven't focused so heavily on Q is because it has almost become a little bit of a religious type uh, following, if you'll, if you'll say that, where people are sort of sometimes blindly following it. Now, again, it's not to say that there's not truth here. It's to say that when, the moment the following becomes blind, then you've picked a side again. And when you pick a side, you're now open to the manipulation again. And a great example I always use is, you know, uh, Trump is very much pushing this 5G infrastructure. And you have to ask the question, why would they be doing that if, uh, if they had humanity's best interests at heart. Because when we know that 5G is, is really, it's a gigantic surveillance push, it's a directed energy weapon push, it's a you know massive economic push, it's a uh, very dangerous sort of health consequence push, right? Why would they be doing that if, if they had humanity's best interests at heart? And so the Q narrative that came out of that was that, well, it's a different version of 5G that's actually safe and okay for people. Now the challenge is, is that came out of having a blind faith for what Q is saying, because there is no evidence to suggest that there's any quote unquote 5G technology that is safe for humanity. And nor did any of that sort of stuff get presented in this particular, here's why 5G is okay narrative that came out of the Q community. So what this shows is there's this mechanism of people are getting sort of uh, too caught up in what's going on within this, such that they're not seeing the bigger picture again, which is a repetition of a pattern that we continually create when we select sides. And so I think it's a lot more empowering 
to be able to observe what's going on within the Q community and whether or not it's 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 helping to shake things up, which is ultimately what I see Trump doing. He's shaking things up. He's 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 exposing some of the skeletons in closets. I think he probably has his own skeletons too, um, which is why he is not full on just going and and, and exposing certain things about uh, some of the old regimes. And so ultimately, you're seeing a war, if you will, a battle between two sides of the deep state. And I think one is a little bit of a more bright future for humanity. Now, it's not to say it's like insanely bright and that we need to stop there. It's just that it's a little better than the highly dystopian side that's going on. So we just try and remind people to just stay more neutral on the topic and remember that this is about expanding ourselves as much as we possibly can, really asking the questions about why we live in a world that is designed the way it is and is the current administration really pushing beyond a lot of those limited structures or is it slowly just kind of changing them a little but is still going to have a lot of control over them and thus control over you when wikileaks came out when i was on the air full time back years ago wikileaks was kind of like the q phenomenon Mm-hmm. You know, when the WikiLeaks came out, everybody would go crazy about it. And, and, you know, everybody was just willing to hand over all of their critical thinking, all of all their power, everything over to somebody telling them what was going on. I, I, I see Q as kind of the same thing. It, it's like a distraction. It's a fun distraction. You can, you know, you feel like you're getting a little in with some secret stuff and, and everybody just hands over their opinions and their, their, you know, rational thinking and they just they just want to follow is is following just ingrained in our culture to the point where it makes us a little stupid yeah i mean it's it 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 it, it illustrates a, a a level or a state of consciousness if you will that we're in that this is why we 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 bring so much personal transformation work into uh, the news and media is because we're not trying to provide people with facts. Like, like I said, I, I'm not a, uh, you know, my passion is not in journalism or in, you know, creating videos and writing articles and stuff. My passion is helping humanity evolve consciously. That that's what's within me. That's what I'm here to share. And I just use, you know, journalism and videos and articles and podcasts to help people do that. Right. So first and foremost, that's what I'm here to do. And so w- why we do that is because the, the news and media, the, the events that happen in our world are simply a reflection of our collective state of consciousness, or you could even look at it as you're just your individual state of consciousness in certain ways. Now, not every world event is going to necessarily show you something about yourself, but there are a lot of times where world events are going to, they do reflect how we operate. So for example, when we're giving our power away to uh, someone else all the time to take care of it, it illustrates this lack of self-responsibility that we often have in the way we live our lives on a daily basis, where we want someone else to take care of us. You know, we've been used to government and the culture of government for a really long time. We're we're sort of like a child and the government is the parent and they're going to be there to tell us what to do and to make sure everything's okay and whatever it might be. The challenge with that is, is you know, at some point, humanity does have to grow into that adult stage. And when you become an adult, you become self-responsible to uh, your own well-being and what's actually going on. And 
that's got to start to come into play within the systems and structures that we have in our world. Otherwise, we're always going to use them as the thing that takes care of us, which means we have to give up our power to someone who runs them, which means that person then has the ability to always control the masses. And that's the journey that we're going through in, in, in waking up to what's happening is that we are starting to have to question do the patterns that we just sort of blindly uh, follow, whether it's following a new savior or whatever it might be, following the latest politician, the one who's you know here to save the day, you know, is that really empowering us, or are we kind of just saying again, all right, here you go do it, and I'll just kind of sit back here and, and sort of do nothing? And so the personal transformation is about becoming a self-responsible and empowered individual within your own life. So that you can then take actions within your life that is from that state of being versus the more uh, victimized or I will give you my power to go do my bidding for me state of being, which is where we are today. Now, the kicker to that, and this is where you start getting into the metaphysics a little bit, but this is where a lot of our cutting edge science is actually leading. It's what ancient mysticism has shown for many, many, many thousands of years. But cutting edge science is now starting to really understand this over the last decade is that our consciousness, our state of being, our the energy we hold and how we perceive our world creates the physical world around us. Meaning, if we're not the self-responsible individual and we just go and we vote and we just give our power up to other people, we can expect that we're going to continue to create the same physical world, i.e., the same economic systems, the same challenges that we face, the same wars, the same. We're going to create it all over and over and over again, as we have been for many, many, many decades. But if we begin to actually shift our consciousness and we, we, we personally transform into these self-responsible individuals and people think, hey, well, that's not going to make an impact in the world. It does, because that is the framework. That is the under the most core to the foundation of how our world is created. So humanity can literally dissolve the need for this deep state, this, this cabal, this power structure, by shifting their consciousness. And so the approach we take is show the world events, talk about the world events, bring it back to personal transformation. That creates new actions in our world. Those new actions create a new energy. That begins to create a new world. Whereas when we step back and we forget about the whole personal uh, transformation level, the whole metaphysical level, the foundation of this whole thing, then we're not actually going to create the physical world changes that we're sort of being promised or that we know is possible. Well, on that note, we are out of time, folks. Joe Martino, Collective Evolution News. Go check out the website. Free yourself. You're listening to Real Talk Radio with Hillary Ramo. Until next time, take care. <laughs>